If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 505. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com and roll for free. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. You can purchase one of my classes there. It's a great way to keep the show free of charge. You can also click on that shop tab, that support tab, or go to learntruehistory.com, learntrue, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. It's my affiliate for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Another great website. All kinds of great ways to support the show. Of course, you can also share the podcast around on social media. Rate it where you get your podcasts. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. You can get this podcast on all major podcast streams. So it's out there for you, right? Let people know you are thinking locally and acting locally. That's how we grow the audience. We've had a really great week. We talked started the week with first principles, talking about Thomas Jefferson. Then we got into the Supreme Court, talked a little bit about agrarian policy. And we're going to wrap up the week with a speech by William Faulkner in 1950. That's a very short speech. So I, I want to talk about this speech because it says something about culture and tradition and humanity. We are now in a situation in America where people are absolutely losing their minds. And I mean that. People are really losing their minds. The left, I do believe, the progressive left, is suffering from a mental illness in a lot of ways. They are. They're denying things that are, I mean, they're, they're calling a, an orange an apple. We'll just say that. They're calling an orange an apple. They are, uh, and they're accepting this as normal. They're normalizing things that no one ever thought was normal throughout all of human history. I mean, you can go back and find example after example where they don't do this. They're, they're, they're doing all of that. Uh, they are certainly invested in the destruction of American history. And I think part of it is because, I mean, it's, it's entirely because of ideology, but part of it is because the left lacks a certain type of imagination. Now, they have an imagination. I can't say they don't have an imagination because their imagination is, is, is based in strange things they say are real that aren't. They have an imagination. And when you look at the left, they're often seen as the creative ones. These are creative people. They're just creative people. People on the right aren't creative. They're just kind of stuffy followers, just a bunch of sheep, these kind of things. I mean, it's all stupid, but this is what they say. So I want to read this speech from Faulkner because he gets into the salvation of man. What, what does literature have to offer? And in this particular case, he's, of course, talking about Southern literature, but more than anything, 
It's about home. You see, part of the problem with America and part of the problem with the disconnect is that we have no anchor any longer. None of that really matters. We are so transient. We're so interested in moving around. We're so interested in not being from somewhere that we forget that importance of home. And I've mentioned this before, and it's been several years since I did, but children that move around a lot have uh, greater social anxiety than people that don't, that are from somewhere. And there's a direct correlation at times in grades and other things. I mean, this is true. These are some things that studies have borne out to show that uh, there is some there is some social consequences of always pulling up stakes and moving along. That being from somewhere matters. And even if it's, you know, it depends on when you move too, but there is certainly part of that with, with children. Because people want to be from somewhere. They want to be from something. They like permanency. They like permanency. They like the permanent things. And being transient puts you in a state of unease. It gives you anxiety. You don't know what the future is going to be. You don't like that. And Faulkner would not have been Faulkner without being from Mississippi. His entire literary career was built on an imagination based on real things from real people from his real community. Any art, if it's going to be good, has to be authentic. Whether it's the visual arts, whether it's literature, whether it's music, you can tell when something isn't authentic. And if you look at, I mean, we'll just take this to modern country music. Most of it's written by a songwriter somewhere. It's, I mean, the melody's great. It's highly polished. It's got all the right hooks. It's got all the right things. It's a dirt road. It's a tight shirt. It's a, you know, whatever it is, a fixing my drink. It's whatever it is that, I mean, oh, yeah, that's fun, right? It's down-home party. It's fried chicken. It's whatever's going to make you feel good about being from somewhere in some place and make, have feeling good things in it, right? It's grandpa, it's grandma, it's your sweetheart. It's, what, it's these things. Now, of course, then there's the bluesy country music, which you don't hear of as much of anymore, but it's still there. So it's got all that. But you can tell that a lot of it's inauthentic. The people that are authentic, authentic like Chris Stapleton, for example, or Brent Cobb, or Cody Jenks, the people that are authentic, you can tell it. Authenticity matters. The art that comes, real art that comes from a people, whether it's photography, whether it's paintings, but it comes from authenticity. You see it, it grabs you, it captures you because it's about humanity and the human experience because these people are real. They're not transient people. They're not from somewhere else. And I will say this. I've lived in different places. People in certain places have a look. They do. I mean, people from different areas, you can tell they're from different areas because generally people in those areas have a look. Even in the United States, there's a certain certain look and actions and attitudes around people from different areas. There just is. It's because that's authenticity. And we lack a lot of that in the United States as we move. In fact, what we've created 
is a plastic culture that's dedicated to transiency. And this is what's messing up the United States across the South, for example. It's why uh, you have Richmond turning into what it's turning into. Now you got people that are from Virginia that are voting for the same things. Virginia's a mess, though, and it's a mess because of all the people moving into it. That's the real problem with Virginia. It's a mess because of all the people moving into it. Or you look at Atlanta and Georgia. You look at other parts of the United States. A friend of mine told me the other day, uh, Nebraska, I think their official state slogan is Nebraska. It isn't for everyone, right? (laughs) I mean, that's great. We should adopt these things across the South. Alabama, if you don't like it, get out. Not for you. If it's not for you, go home. South Carolina. If it's too Southern for you, go back to Massachusetts. Right? I mean, this should happen. Because you get all these people, particularly on the coast of South Carolina, they're just, Northerners are buying up all that property. And then they're going in, they want to get away from that, but yet then they want to change South Carolina to be like where they're from. It's ridiculous. It really is, again, a mental illness. They think that just going somewhere else is going to affect and change who they are. But it's not. Why? Because there is a certain amount of cultural and geographic determinism in people. It's just the way things... You can only take the person away from where they are before that real person starts coming out in them. That's what it's really all about. Very few people are able to change who they are because of where they move. They're able to adapt to that. Now, it happened. it's happened before, of course. Not, don't get me wrong. But very few people are able to do this. They go somewhere and they think they're right about everything because that's how they grew up and that's what it was and this is what it's like and this is stupid if you don't do like I do and this is, this is idiotic if you don't do this like I do. Instead of just saying, you know what? I'm moving to Alabama. I'm going to live like they do in Alabama because I, I moved here because I want to be like them. Not because I want to come down here and force them to be like me. Alabama is the way it is because of Alabamians. Massachusetts is the way it is because of the people that live there. There's, there's no question about that. It's because of the people. So this speech by Faulkner in 1950, when he received his Pulitzer, which is an interesting speech. It's, it's a very short speech. I'm sorry, this is for his Nobel Prize. Excuse me, for his Nobel Prize. It says Pulitzer's Nobel Prize in Literature in 1949. Excuse me on what I said it was for. Listen to what he says, though. Again, it's a short speech. And because of what he says of humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, and you can find audio recordings of this. He's changed it. He he altered it for print. I'm going to read you the one that he altered for print. Ladies and gentlemen, Oh, by the way, before I start, let me just make this statement on this. My next course at McClanahan Academy is going to do just this. It's going to pick out 25 speeches. They're political. They're all political. 25 political speeches that have changed America in one way or another. Some of them are from the left. Some of them are from the right. But this is going to be a really cool course because a lot of these are going to be stuff you're going to get in your mainstream classes, but I'm going to do it in a way, I'm going to talk about it in a way that they wouldn't say. Some of the speeches you've heard before, so they're big speeches. 
some of those speeches I've covered before in a couple of other different, a couple different American, uh, I'm sorry, McClanahan Academy courses. But I'm going to do it in a way that's going to give you the why this speech is important because of its lasting impact on America in one way or another. And I think that is going to be just an awesome course. It's the last course of the year. It's coming up in October. So be on the lookout for that. But I, this is the kind of stuff I'm going to do with these speeches. So let's get to this Nobel Prize in Literature, 1949. He accepted it in December of 1950. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel that this award was not made to me as a man, but to my work. A life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit, not for glory and least of all for profit, but to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before. What a beautiful sentence. A life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit. To create out of the materials of the human spirit Something which did not exist before to create. Now, you can look at that as a progressive thing, or you can look at it as it's a preservation of that spirit. And he says this at the end of the speech, in a way. In some ways, he contradicts himself. But out of the agony and sweat of the human spirit, creation, creative people, do things out of the agony and sweat of the human spirit. That's why this speech is beautiful. So this award is only mine and trust. It will not be difficult to find a dedication for the money part of it commensurate with the purpose and significance of its origin. But I would like to do the same with the acclaim to by using this moment as a pinnacle from which I might be listened to by the young men and women already dedicated to the same anguish and travail, among whom is already that one who will someday stand here where I am standing. He's talking to the other writers in the world. I'm, I'm saying this to you. Using this moment as a pinnacle from which I might be listened to by the young men and women already dedicated to the same anguish and travail to telling the story of the sweat and agony of the human spirit. Our tragedy today is a general and universal physical fear so long sustained by now that we can even bear it. There are no longer problems of the spirit. There is only the question, when will I be blown up? He's talking, of course, about nuclear war here. So to Faulkner, there was a reprieve from this through literature, but also to discuss what made that possible. And he says, because of this, because of the threat of nuclear war, the young man or woman writing today has forgotten the problems of the human heart and conflict with itself, which alone can make good writing, because only that is worth writing about. Worth the agony and the sweat. The problems of the human heart and conflict with itself. That internal struggle that humans face. 
And we all face it. I mean, this is why I wanted to focus on the speech. I like to end the week with something that's uh, positive in some way, something for us to think about as we go through our daily lives. People recognize this conflict of the heart. It's what religion is there for. It's what uh, culture and tradition are there for. He said, we must learn them again. He must learn them again. He must teach himself that the basest of all things is to be afraid. And teaching himself that, forget it forever. The basest of all things is to be afraid. Think about that in our current society. Faulkner said the basis of all things is to be afraid. What is the entire basis of modern society centered on? Fear. Fear. Faulkner says, forget that. Forget it forever. Not just now, forever. Forget it. Forget that fear. It's rational to be afraid of things that the unknown. Well, it's a virus. You can't even see it. You don't know if it's going to affect you really badly or not at all, or minor uh, infection if you get it. You don't know. It's that fear that is driving all of these policies we see in government today. And it is a nasty virus, and you should do everything you can to try to mitigate those things in your own life, however you decide to go do that. But he's saying this is the basis of all things, fear. Forget it, though. Forget it forever. Leaving no room in his workshop for anything but the old vari- verities I'm sorry, and truths of the heart. The old universal truths lacking which any story is ephemeral and doomed. Love and honor and pity and pride and compassion and sacrifice. Those are the things that make a story great. Love and honor and pity and pride and compassion, and sacrifice. Think about what the left is saying to Americans who have Confederate ancestors, for example. Those Southerners had honor, and they had pride, and they had love. And the people that erected those monuments were doing it not for hate, but for love, for love of people in place. And Faulkner would have agreed may not agree with them, may not agree with who these people were, but he loved them. And you see that. And there's sacrifice there. There's no more pity or compassion unless it's because some group is oppressing another because of some reason that doesn't really exist. We're told to have pity and compassion on some people, but not for others. Because we've, again, blocked ourselves off. There's no understanding, there's no reconciliation Until he does so, he labors under a curse. Under a curse. He writes not of love, but of lust. Of defeats in which nobody loses anything of value. Of victories without hope. And worst of all, without pity or compassion. It's spiking the football. There's no pity or compassion. It used to be it was written about the South from a pitiful standpoint. These people were defeated. And you see that in Faulkner's writing. Of victories without hope, but there's always the redemption. And it's not love, because you don't lose anything of value, but 
That's lust. There's no value lost there. Love, when you lose something out of love, it crushes you. Lust, ah, who cares? Love, the loss of love is one of the worst things people can go through in their life. It hurts more than anything else. His griefs grieve on no universal bones, leaving no scars. He writes not of the heart, but of the glands. Beautiful statement. This is why Southern literature is so good, because it writes of love and honor and pity and pride and compassion and sacrifice. It writes of those things. Until he relearns these things, he will write as though he stood among and watched the end of man. I decline to accept the end of man. It is easy enough to say that man is immortal simply because he will endure. That when the last ding-dong of doom has clanged and faded from the last worthless rock hanging tideless in the last red and dying evening, that even then there will still be one more sound that of his puny, inexhaustible voice still talking. <laughs> so if you don't write from real things, from real passion, from, from, these, from these traditional things that have always been supported in society and culture, love, honor, pity, pride, compassion, sacrifice, you're just an inexhaustible, puny voice talking. This is what Think Locally, Act Locally is all about at the core. It's about loving where you're from and your family and your community. It's about those things. It's about what Jefferson wrote in the summer review. It's about what Faulkner is talking about here. I refuse to accept this, he said. I believe that man will not merely endure, he will prevail. He is immortal, not because he alone among creatures has an inexhaustible voice, but because he has a soul, a spirit capable of compassion and sacrifice and endurance, the poet's, the writer's duty is to write about these things. It is his privilege to help man endure by lifting his heart by reminding him of the courage and honor and hope and pride and compassion and pity and sacrifice which have been the glory of his past. Why do Southerners have monuments to these people? Because they want to shake the glory out. That's what Sam Irvin said, to shake the glory out. They have these monuments. They remember the people. Faulkner remembered the past because it's not even the past. Because he was shaking the glory out of these people with courage and honor and hope and pride and compassion and pity and sacrifice and love. Courage. Courage, one of the greatest things you can have. Courage. And there are courageous people that I don't agree with, but they're courageous. What we have now is not courageous. It's show. I was corrected. It wasn't cosplay. It's LARPing, live-action role-play. You got LARPers running around out there. There's no courage in that. There's no courage to be woke. Where's the courage in that? 
You're just going along with the tide. There's no pity in that. There's no compassion. There's no sacrifice. He concludes by saying, The poet's voice need not merely be the record of man. It can be one of the props, the pillars, to help him endure and prevail. What a beautiful piece of literature. And I think it's something that can really apply to our to what I say about thinking locally and acting locally. And the there's no idea of America. There's the reality of America. These are the things that are America. Those aren't ideals. Courage and pity and sacrifice and honor. Those aren't ideals. Those are things that people do. They're actions. Those are actions, not ideals. This is America. And I think Faulkner said it better than most. I want to leave that with you this week. And we'll pick up next week with some great things too, but chew on that over the weekend when you're thinking about thinking locally and acting locally. This is what you're thinking locally and acting locally for. And this, I think, is what people are starting to realize in this great plastic American culture. It's not really a culture there anymore. It's the absence of culture that we have that's so dangerous to the rest of the fabric of society. I'll see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.